1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We got to talk some USC Trojan football. The season's over. Trojans are 8 and 4, waiting to find out which bowl they will be attending. But a lot of fans are waiting. What's going to happen to the head coaching position at USC? What is new athletic director Mike Bone going to do? The Parastyle at USCFootball.com has been a buzz the last couple of days, waiting on pins and needles. What's going on? Probably by the time we're done recording this, maybe there's some news breaking and this will all be mute. But at this point, it'll be moot. Did I say mute? So it will be a moot uh, podcast. Hopefully it's not. Uh, But if you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. We got a lot leading up to this. Um, You also can send us a voicemail or a text at 424-254-9141. Please subscribe. Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star Rating, positive reviews are awesome. Tell your friends about the Peristyle Podcast. We do appreciate all of that, and we appreciate our my co-hosts, I guess you could say, today. Keely your is in studio. What's up, Keely? Wow,
2: hello, hello. We even tried to record later, just in case anything happened. Yeah. But still no news.
1: That didn't work. No. Um, <laughs> we've tried a lot of things that haven't worked. Uh, Dan's been trying things. I don't know if that hasn't worked. We got Dan Weber on the line. Hello, Dan.
3: Hey, trying not to be mute here. Yeah. Uh, not that we exactly have anything to say for sure, but uh, we'll say it anyway.
1: Yeah, there's um, here. I got to I got to play this for you because, you know, we definitely do not have breaking news. There's nothing going on. Um, so, well, yes. Well, we'll address this over the weekend. My voice is probably going to go out. I've done about a million radio shows. Um, it's been insane, uh, since over the last couple of days. And this happens sometimes, you know, we've been covering the team for a while. No one has a bigger, uh, group of, uh, journalists covering this USC football team than we do at uscfootball.com. And the peristyle is the craziest, busiest message board ever. And there's just tons of stuff going on. Lots of rumors, lots of things flying around. But then when something happens, like a report comes out very definitively saying that Clay Helton is fired. Then everyone comes to the Peristyle. Everyone comes and they're tweeting us and it's like, what's going on? Why don't you know this? Blah, blah, blah. Um, well, I mean, it was supposed to happen by Monday. It's now we're recording as it's 1.25 on, uh, on Tuesday. I actually did uh, report that Mike Bone, the athletic director, was not even in Los Angeles at the time that report came out. Um, and Clay Helton was on the road recruiting. There was pictures of him uh, visiting with recruits. So I said I told people, I, well, I think this is premature at best, inaccurate at worst. It looks now like it is inaccurate. We don't know still the fate of Clay Helton. We don't know what Mike Bone uh, wants to do. And I just wanted to kind of address it because people have have brought this up, and we hear a lot of things. And this coaching, you know, transition potential transition. We've heard so many things. I've had people text me. He's definitely gone. He was gone two months ago, and Urban Meyer's the next guy. And I have other people text me, like, no, they're bringing him back. It's like completely the opposite. People that you trust or that, you know, that usually know some good stuff. It's been insane. And I think a lot of it has to do with the sort of power vacuum that has been happening at USC. You had to get rid of the president. You had to get rid of the athletic director. You've had so many bad decisions made from the last 10 years with Lynn Swan and Pat Hayden. And, and Mike Bone comes into this situation, you know, guns blazing, like trying to figure out, wait, hey, what's going on? Um, not guns blazing. Like you, you want him to be guns blazing, but he comes in sort of like trying to soak it all in. And that's where he is right now, but we're not getting, there's a lot of really weird conflicting information. And we'd heard people say, yeah, Clay Helton's definitely done. We're not going to report that. Like you, you can't you know rely on that. So we're sort of like, we'll drop a little hints on the board. Hey, we heard this. We heard that certainly not going to come out and report it. So that report does look to be erroneous. He still might be fired. We don't know at this point. Um but uh, it's a uh, I just wanted to address it at the top because I know a lot of people Keely were like you know tweeting at you like what's this? Why don't you know what's going on? It's like, well, cuz that wasn't was what's going on.
2: Well, we hear a lot of things. We just try to be responsible about it and not lead people in the wrong direction i don't know if you followed the whole Kawhi leonard thing when that happened over the summer but this kind of reminds me of the Kawhi leonard situation where
1: people report he was going to the lakers or something everyone
2: was reporting everything they were hearing and Kawhi had a really tight circle and only a few people really knew what was happening and it kind of seems like the same thing where only a few people really know what's happening but everyone's saying that oh their brother cousin mother knew this and knows this and so it's
3: just waiting it out to see what really happens
1: yeah. What do you What do you think, Dan? Uh,
3: yeah, I, I would. I'll, I'll follow up on the Kawhi Leonard thing. I was going through LAX not that long ago, and just realized on the escalator I was right behind Kawhi Leonard. Of course he you had, were. Of course you were. He, he had no entourage, nobody with him. You know, carrying his own bag, and I'm thinking that may be why you don't find out what's happening with Kawhi Leonard. He doesn't have a whole lot of people around that are. You know He knows what he's going to do or what he's thinking about, and he's not telling anybody. And I think that's what's happening at USC right now. I don't think Heritage Hall is in the loop at all. Uh, I think they'll get in the loop when they say, here's what we're going to make an announcement. We're going to have a press conference. You have to get them in the loop to some extent. But clearly that hasn't happened. If anybody would have been in the loop, you'd have thought Clay Helton and his coaches would be. And they're out recruiting. I mean, Clancy Pendergrass in Texas, for gosh sakes. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, we are hearing, and I do tend to believe this. The only thing that we're hearing that that I really put some stock in is it's going to happen this week. I mean, we've heard that from Clay at the at the team meeting uh, Sunday night, and we've heard it from people on in different parts of the university. So. Other than that, uh, I don't think we need to, you know, we can all connect all the dots we want and, and 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 get a picture that says, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But let's go back and reverse engineer USC history. If all the things that happened were things that made sense, yeah. none of those would have happened. I mean, so you don't necessarily uh, have the ability to put the dots together and say, oh, now I know what's going to happen. No, you don't. None of us do.
1: Yeah. There's, I mean, there's just so much going on. It's it's funny. I use this uh, analogy, not a food analogy on a couple Uh of radio shows I did, but there were so many mistakes made, you know, Dan, you talked about Pat Hayden pretty much reverse every big decision he ever made and USC would be better off, but there was a lot of small poor decisions too. And Lynn Swan did a lot of the same things. He, Lynn Swan didn't do much at all. And it's sort of like each of those decisions individually wasn't that big of a deal but it's like getting a parking ticket. So you got one, you got two. Well, USC's athletic department, the athletic directors have been piling up parking tickets for years. And Mike Bone comes in, he walks out to the car, and there's a boot on it because he's had so many. And like, not his fault, but that's where USC is right now. And so he comes in and everyone's like, fix it. And it's going to be tough. Now, we ran polls. We we talked to the fans. They are not going to be happy. If Clay Helton comes back, it is almost unanimous. There's a few people that were like, no, it can work. But most people are just like, just move on. You have to move on. And I, you know, I think you got to hope Mike Bone is kind of taking that into consideration. Because I just, I mean, Keely, I just see so much pushback if they bring him back.
2: I think it would be a severe miscalculation if, Bone doesn't think that the fans will revolt or there will be a oh. huge backlash if Helton comes back because it's just... Even at the prospect of, of him coming back and waiting in this time, people are so anxious yeah. and so feisty. I mean, go on the pee and you'll see like people are on the edge of their seat. And so the fact that there's even a waiting period right now is concerning if you're a USC fan just because even with the way USC's schedule worked out, there's been time to make this decision. There's been... There's been time with the bye week. So I don't know. I just think it would be a severe, severe miscalculation and reading the room completely wrong if you don't move on from Clay Hilton based yeah. on just how the fans and the boosters feel about this. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: And, and we've talked about like, you know, we had Colin Coward on the show and he's like, I'm hearing he's coming back and people are pissed. They're like mad at him. Like that's just what, you know, that's like information. That's not what he doesn't feel that Clay Hilton should come back. None of us feel that that's the right to move. But if you hear that. Then people get mad at you for hearing what you they don't want to hear.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I would say this: uh, if they don't listen to anyone, uh, President Folt and A.D. Bone, they have to know what kind of responses they're getting to their tweets and oh. to their Instagram. Mm-hmm. And for example, I guess President Bone or President Folt uh, honored uh, a veteran USC faculty person yesterday, and. The responses she got were not at all about oh what a what a nice gentleman or what a great program or blah blah blah. They were what the heck are you going to do about football? Uh, and you know one after another, they can't not understand that. There's there's no possible way, uh, you know, that they it would be oh wow that I didn't think they they'd do that or didn't think they'd react like that. Uh, that's not even a remote. Uh, possibility. And I do think, I don't think the decision has gone down to the wire and which way and whatever. I I really think, you know, a decision's been in place and we may be not understanding that there are other factors that are involved in the timing of the release of the decision that we can only speculate about. Uh, But uh, that maybe you don't want to go forward until you have uh, this next step completely lined up uh you know is that a good thing or a bad thing that you let a coach go out and recruit who may not who may not be coming back I mean Ole Miss had a guy was on a vi- the head coach Luke uh was on his uh home vi- in home visit when he and the recruit found out that he had just been fired you know he was in the in the, in the kid's house and hmm. uh so it happens I mean that happened yesterday uh so Stuff like that happens. But we can't possibly know all the things that are going into this. So, you know, the one thing it seems – we seem to have agreement on, something is going to happen this week. It's come from every part of, you know, the people – all the people that are going to be involved in this seem to kind of be moving in that direction. I think Mike Bone is maybe the one place we're not – we're not hearing anything from him, and it's clear he's not sharing with the athletic department. He's on his own
2: it's interesting to me how much the early signing period really throws a wrench into everything because I feel like that forces either forces your hand or your line to recruits either way you know it it doesn't it seems like it speeds up the timeline. In a way that didn't when you didn't have it beforehand, because I'm very curious if you have Clay Hilton going out into homes and talking to recruits and for some reason you're leaning towards keeping him. Why not just put out a statement of support and try and help your coaching staff get recruits and salvage this this class? Or if not, are you waiting on someone else to come around? Are you going to wait till after? signing day and when other coaches are are available it's just a lot of questions about the timing of all this and how they're kind of letting it drag on in that sense
3: well the other part of that is what if you have this staff offering kids who the next staff says no way are you kidding me we're not uh, what do those kids do if they are sitting there waiting to you know with an offer from usc and you bring in a you know a new coach and a, a staff that say that's not that's, we didn't make that offer we're not uh, so those kids were kind of in can a little bit of a difficult position I, I can't even imagine if you were a parent with an in-home visit from USC right now what in the world do you are you thinking cuz you probably got other offers what are you thinking about USC can you possibly even accept an offer from USC at this point I don't know. I don't know how you could.
1: Yeah. It's, um, I, you know, do a lot of radio and that's one of the things that comes up so much is the recruiting aspect. You're now looking at two weeks basically until the early signing period. You just don't have a lot of time. Like I know in an ideal world, Mike Bone would like to, you know, listen and learn. Like he said, take as much time as you can and make the right choice. But it's almost like his hands are tied, and there's really nothing else he can do. And you know, the fear is around here, and a lot of the fans. They says, you know what? Just be easier to replace Clay Helton next year than this year. And I, I, like, I agree with you guys. I think then he's underestimating what the fan base would do. And and to see whatever you know, fifty-two thousand or something at the USC UCLA game. What would those games be next year? I I don't even want to. I, I believe the people. Sometimes people make you know uh, threats that they don't they don't mean. But I believe these people that are saying I'm not going to donate. I'm not going to go to games anymore. I think you're going to see a lot of that, like a full on revolt, and uh, that's not going to be healthy for the athletic department's bottom line.
2: Yeah, like I can understand why Bone would maybe want to wait to make sure he's making the right decision. Like maybe Bone knows that Clay should go. It's just the step after who comes after him, um, and maybe he doesn't feel like he has someone lined up in place. But if that's the case. I don't think you can afford to wait just given the history. Granted, he wasn't a part of it, but you're coming into a situation where there is history, where there are fans that are upset after 5-7 and seven season and after what happened in 2019. So that's where I go back to you're miscalculating and you're reading the room wrong if you think that you have this leeway because that leeway was gone
3: after what Lynn Swan did. Yeah. Well, And the other thing is, as you say, Ryan, it's two weeks. Someone has to make a decision now at USC— which kids do we sign? Which kids don't don't we sign? Which you know, how does that who's gonna do that? You know, who's gonna, you know, let the other kids usually you have enough time where the other guys, you know, you always make more offers than you've got scholarships, but you have enough time where the kids who aren't gonna be ultimately offered have enough time to understand, well I'm not getting, you know, called by the coaches. It's obvious they're not as interested in me anymore. I need to look elsewhere. How does that happen in this time frame at this point? I mean, how much farther along can you go before someone comes in and says, "These are the kids we'll, you know, we'll take, uh, you know, we'll we'll sign," and the rest of them we're not. Who makes that decision and when? It's got to happen pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's USC.
1: You know, things happen differently at USC. You hope to bring in a professional athletic director, but he's still dealing with all of the, it's like 10 years of, of bad decision making he's got to deal with. So, and the problem is, you got this huge decision looming right now. So, I don't know. What do you like? Just, we got to get a lot of questions in, but Keely, gut feeling, When is when are we going to hear something?
2: Oh, boy. You're putting me on the spot. Put you right on the spot. Ooh.
1: I would have said today, but I'm not believing it's today anymore. I, I think it's going to be tomorrow, but I don't know. What do you, what do you feel?
2: My gut yesterday thought it was going to be this morning.
1: Yeah. That didn't happen. It just
2: doesn't make sense. Like, I just don't understand the timing of all this. I really don't. So I I don't, I'm not going to guess because I really don't know. You've been trying to make me guess, but I just don't think that uh, USC is USC. That's the only thing that I know.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
1: How about you, Dan? What do you think?
3: Yeah. I think it, it has to happen this week for all the reasons that we've talked about. I mean, just, uh, you just can't be that unprofessional. Let, let kids just be out there hanging. I mean, they're, you know, visiting a kid from, you know, Texas last night. What, you know, in-home visit. What do you do with him? I mean, you know, can he sign? Can't he? You know, what happens? Uh, you can't let that just hang out there. And I don't think there's any way. You got to get that decided. And if I had to guess, I think the holdup is not the decision. There, there. I, there can't possibly be, uh, let's wait and make the decision on Clay. It's too hard to make it right. No, that that, that decision has to have been made. Hey, it po- can't possibly not have been made. But if it's the next step that you've been maybe working on very secretly, very quietly, trying not to get other people involved because that person doesn't want it out, and yet – Let's say there are a whole lot of issues to be decided. For example, let's say that person says, Wait a minute, you've only got uh, offices in the McKay Center for Lane Kiffin's staff, and you want me to come with my staff? Where are we going to put them? We're going to put a tent up on that, you know, the intramural field. What are we going to do? That's a pretty big deal to work out. Or if you look at the Galen Dining Center and you say, Wait a minute, that's not something we can you know really have the kind of program that we need for a you know a nationally competitive college football program what are you going to do about that i think i think those things might be in play if you've got the right guy coming you want him to say you need to fix this you need to fix that we need a plan for this you know i've i've understood that the word has has gotten around in the athletic department staff that they are willing to spend more money. That that has been passed along. That money, uh, you know, is available to be spent. But uh, but those are answers that you got to come up with. Uh, and the timing is is not that easy with the amount of time that Mike Bone's been here, and we don't know how long they've been talking to the, maybe another, you know, that other person. Uh, but uh, I don't think those things just happen overnight. So. Trying to you know juggle all those balls is is a difficult thing I, I would think, uh, but that the fact that they haven't haven't given Clay uh, you know he, any kind of a statement that he could use in recruiting that he's going to be here they're going to you know they haven't done that they haven't gotten close to that and uh, and you have to be smart enough to know that Clay going forward for another year wouldn't put him in any better position than he, he was going this into this year, which was a disaster for recruiting. Because, you know, how much better position would he be if you say, well, we're going to keep him for another year? How, how does that do him any good for recruiting? It doesn't do him any good at all.
1: No, and I think the fans, yeah. you know, are upset because even if you don't have your ducks in a row for the, the next coach – and it could be a big name that's on, you know that you're fishing for or whatever whoever it is. Why can't you just part ways with Clay Helton now and figure the other part later? Now Washington made the announcement that Chris Peterson was retiring like out of the blue, and oh by the way, Jimmy Lake is going to take over. Like that usually doesn't happen that tightly, but holy crap! Like who would have bet that the first you know you know you saw Arizona State like redo their whole staff? You saw Arizona. Fire the defensive coordinator and some other guys, like you know, late in the season. Who would have thought those three schools were doing big things? And USC hasn't done anything yet. Uh, I think that's what a lot of the fans are upset for. Dan, is can't you just fire him and then figure the rest out?
3: Well, they put themselves behind the eight ball because they let Lynn uh, Lin linger around. Uh, uh, you know, from what we've heard, he he was his duties were limited in the summer, and you know, maybe because the president is so new in her position that she just didn't feel like she could make the decision then. I mean, it's one of those, uh, you know, deals where if you think it's going to happen eventually, you ought to do it now. And that would have, let's say you had Mike bone here in the summer. Uh, I think that makes a whole big difference in, in all the timing of this. And uh, you know, you could understand he's only been here four weeks. Uh, It's, this is not easy because they may be in a situation where if you did that, if you said, okay, here's the holdover staff that's going to be for the bowl game, and these are the people, and we're going to move this guy here, and move this guy here, and move this guy there, and some guys won't be a, a part of the bowl uh, you know, preparations, which is how it worked out once before with Clay uh, going to a holiday, holiday bowl, uh, but that would need really uh, hands-on, I think, from the athletic director of moving guys around and saying you're going to do the practice schedule and all of that kind of thing. Uh, And I don't know if Bone feels like, man, I've been here long enough to be able to do that. I mean, I think Ryan, Keely, you know, myself, we might be able to actually say this is how we would do that. But, you know, it's on Bone. And unfortunately, he's had so little time to be able to do that. But I think then you could do that. Even if you don't have you know step two in place, you can still take care of step one and say we're gonna you know handle the bowl, we're gonna handle practice, we're gonna do all these things, and we're gonna figure out the coach uh, when we have the exactly the right guy. But again, bone, I, I would I would understand why he may be a little hesitant to start moving pieces around on the chessboard uh, at this point in time. And again, they don't have that much time. To figure out when are they going to practice? You know, they've got 15 practices, and what are we talking about? Uh, To the Holiday Bowl, that's the 20 – they've got 25 days to the Holiday Bowl and whatever, 28 to the uh, Alamo Bowl. That's not a lot of time to figure out how the 15 practices are going to break down and and, and what you're going to do with them. I mean – well, you know. let's
1: uh, let's jump into some questions. Uh, we got some voicemails. We got a lot of emails and texts and stuff. I'll start with this one, and then uh, we'll roll on. Here you go.
4: Hi, this is Ray in Florida, and I am sitting here Sunday afternoon with my emotions going from the ceiling to the floor, listening to he is fired, he's not going to be fired. My question to all of you, And all Trojan fans, can the new administration, the new AD, new president, can they be so ignorant of what is going on, what is being said, what the trustees must feel, the donors, the ticket holders that are no longer going to the games, the ticket holders that will be not going next year if he is retained, how can they possibly ignore a, a slightly above 500 average coach for the last two years? I just cannot fathom how they could do that. Please, please explain to me how they could not fire this man tonight, let alone tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for whatever you guys do, for what, all that you do during the year and Fight on, and I hope we have something to fight on for next
3: year. Thank
4: you.
1: Pretty
4: good uh, summary of how people are feeling. <laughs> I would
3: yeah, say. Ray's right on it from Florida. Good job uh, from the Eastern time zone. Even if you don't get to watch all the games to the very end, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think that we've we've you know hinted at it that it's timing. Timing is tough when you're the new president. When you're the new AD. Uh, I mean, you know, Lynn Swan was two and a half years into the job last year when he, you know, came down with that phrase of exactly what the problems were that had to be resolved about USC football, culture and staff and all those other things. And uh, what did he do about it? I'm not remembering. He just said, go ahead and take care of it, guys. I hope it, hope you get it right. I mean – people haven't been addressing the issues at USC. They just haven't. So now you get, you know, a couple of new people. Parking tickets are all in the glove box. Yeah. <laughs> you Mike get Bohn. a couple of new people and, um, you know, they've just been given their, you know, new Mercedes and they're trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to get the, uh, you know, get the trunk locked or whatever. And, uh, you're asking them to make a big decision that's going to get reported all over the country. And, uh, It's, you know, you want to be, you know, kind of careful. You want to be kind of safe, but then you've got this timetable working that, uh, you know, doesn't work. I think part of the decision has been made a while ago. I don't, I don't, I think it's easy to say, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I think they kind of know what they're doing. I don't think they know how to put it all together. And so it just sort of, you know, they'd like to be able to put it all together. I'm not sure they can. And then the kind of things they would have to do in the interim probably require, not that Mike Bones not a very active or hands-on athletic director, it's just how do you do that when probably he doesn't have anybody in Heritage Hall to listen to. I do know he has reached out to some of the absolute great football players in USC history, the guys who haven't been around for a couple of years, and he's asked them what do we need to do? What's going on? What are the problems? And I know the response was, do you want the real story? Do you want us to tell you what we really think? And he said, absolutely. You know, Give it to me. He's heard from people who you would all recognize in a heartbeat who haven't been around. And they've told him what has to happen. He can't possibly not know that or I, it, he hasn't acted on it in his own mind, but it's that next part I think that's a lot more tricky to to get done.
2: Yeah, which makes sense. Ryan, the irony about the the analogy you came up with about the, the tickets and the boot on the car or whatever, Yeah. right around the time that Lin Swan got fired, Dana and I always do instant analysis near uh, Heritage, uh-huh. and they have um, – the, the little golf carts and there's well, a specific golf cart for the athletic director. And for some reason there was a boot on the, the golf on cart. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, it, it was. Fitting.
1: So Lin was parking his cart wherever he wanted and they ticketed it probably. Or... I don't
2: know. They just had a boot on the athletic director cart when he was gone. And, uh, it seemed like a fitting metaphor. So awesome. yeah, that,
3: that's why Keeley's such a great reporter. I, I actually didn't realize that was the athletic director's golf. I just knew it was, you know, I didn't know they actually had uh, assigned uh, golf carts. So, what a.
1: Did you take a picture of it or anything? I
2: don't know, but I was just like, this is interesting. That'd be like the
1: tweet of the year. Like, oh, I. I This is a. Try and
2: stay away from.
1: Perfect microcosm of USC's athletic department. You got the athletic director's golf cart has a boot on it.
2: Yeah, I know. I don't want (laughs) to get too snarky, though. It gets gets you in trouble sometimes.
1: I've One that. yes, <laughs> I did Rick roll the board. They a lot of people liked it. And then some people didn't.
2: You Rick rolled me. I was like, he hasn't texted us an update, but he put it on the P. What did he say? And then right. it was Rick roll, and I was like, Ryan, why did you do that? <laughs>
1: always? I'm gonna give you a... <laughs> oh my goodness.
2: Well, let's get into an email from Jay. He says, hopefully, this question is moot by the time you record the podcast. Sorry, nope. Jay, it's nope, not. Jay. Support nope. for Helton is already non-existent. But what happens if the worst occurs and he's retained and they lose their bowl game? How could Ad Bone justify his decision? Any decision to keep Clay Helton seems like a lose lose to me. Keep up the good work, all of you, Jay.
1: Jay, here's the thing, real quick. If, sorry, Dan. If, uh, say, USC loses the bowl game, you got an easy one to start next season to get some momentum. You mm-hmm. only play Alabama and yeah. Dallas. So that'll be fine. It'll be fine.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, lose, 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 maybe uh, <laughs> is, a, is a better way to say that. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine an upside. If you're President Folt or Mike Bone and you're thinking, what's the upside here if you decide not to make a change? And can anybody come up with one? I mean, really, any possible upside uh, to that? Yeah, okay. They ended up eight and, I don't know. You know. They ended up eight and four. Uh, you know, they and you got to give them credit. You know, they did it with the 18-year-old freshman quarterback and uh, the one coordinator change he made you know, came through, you know, by the end of the year, had to go in a different direction. And, and, you know, the air raid that they're running at the end of the year, doesn't exactly look like the air raid. It looks like, you know, a more traditional, uh, you know, approach. And it looks like USC has got four receivers that if, if they get a chance to go one-on-one or one-on-two, even they're going to, you know, they're going to win most of those battles. And they figured out some things had, you know, had they needed to figure out how to run the ball better early and uh, that's on the way they practice. They don't practice hard enough. They don't, they're don't. they not disciplined enough. They get too many penalties, and it's hard to sustain a running attack, even when people are dropping eight. I mean, most teams – you know, in the past, I actually asked uh, a USC guy. <laughs> I don't want to identify him necessarily, but I said, you gained 2,000 yards, uh, the first NCAA player to uh, gain 2,000 yards in a season. How many would you have gained – and if they dropped eight and you were running against three man fronts <laughs> and I said 3000 is what I said and I won't tell you his answer. But, uh, <laughs> but think about that. You know, can you imagine a USC team that was promised by the current coach that they would be old time physical USC football power run game and play action pass? And how did that work out? You know, I mean. Just the idea that USC this year for a while was like, oh, my gosh, I hope they don't drop eight. Oh, what are we going to do if they drop eight? And you just think, is there you know, ever been a USC team before recently that would be worried if the defense drops eight guys back? I mean, you just crush them. You just pound it and pound it. But with all the penalties and with the difficulty and turnovers, USC couldn't do that. And that's, again – that's coaching, that's on on the coaches. And that's the kind of thing that ought to be able to allow you to make a decision fairly early in this season that that hadn't turned around. And even with the much better uh, coaching in terms of the you know the pass offense and the quarterbacks, um, it still didn't make enough of a difference uh, for USC to win the south, for example. I mean, the only team in history to beat everybody in the Pac-12 South and still lose the Pac-12 South, you know? I mean, you just – got to be more consistent. And, you know, if you get the the early lucky break and beat Utah with your third-string quarterback, how do you blow that over the year? You know, you can't. That's a gift that you just can't, uh, you know, fumble away. And USC did. Yeah.
2: We have an email from Jack. And I feel for him. He's kind of ranting here. Um, <laughs> he says, so I was driving home from work today listening to the Colin Cowherd podcast. It was just so depressing. I swore I was not going to write in anymore. The whole tease this weekend with the false report that, Clay- that Coach Helton had been fired, then not so. I just get so agitated. It's like watching one of those melodrama TV series like Party of Five. You may be too young to remember that one, but every week the characters just had a knack of always making the worst decision in every situation. Kind of like the present USC athletic department. I just need to vent. I can't get chest pains over this. I have much more important issues to concern myself with in my life, but it's just maddening to me that Helton is still the coach and that this program is heading heading in the wrong direction. As I stated previously, you don't hire a guy flipping burgers to be the head, head chef at your five-star restaurant. I pray the insanity will end soon, but I fear the worst. One USC... Once USC was eliminated from the Pac-12 championship game, he should have been fired on Sunday. Every day that passes makes it more likely he stays. I tell myself, just root for for Coach O and LSU, my second favorite college team, but I just feel so empty doing so. Happy holidays, I hope. Jack from New Jersey.
3: Man, poor Jack. (laughs) I know. Oh, man.
2: Make sure you get some exercise. Eat your veggies. It'll be okay. I promise.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't, you can't make it happen before it's going to happen. And you can just, you know, hope they get it right. And just sometimes with, you know, when we go to football games and you sit there and you just, you know, you got all this buildup of who's going to show up and whatever. And I think you kind of just have to let it play out and just see what happens. And you can't try to almost force your, you know, wishes or your will to happen. It just, it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. And uh, you know USC. I mean, my basic approach is I want USC to get lucky. Okay, I don't want them to be necessarily smart or far-seeing or tough-minded or any of that. I just look back at like the Pete Carroll hire and say those other guys all turned it down, and Pete really wanted it badly, and they said, "Hey, oh, the heck, we don't have anybody else to give it to. Let's just give it to Pete." And that's kind of, you know, how it's been for USC. And you just say, maybe they'll get lucky this time. Because if you look back at the last, how many hires, three, you know, three ADs and three uh, uh, head football coaches, and you say, huh, that's zero for six. Law of averages says maybe they get this one right. Maybe. I don't know. But that's. That's how I'd go. I'd be like, you know, maybe I'll win the lottery, you know, when you're driving home and all worried, you know, go buy a lottery ticket and maybe, maybe you'll hit that, you know, just, you, you don't have any control over what's happening here.
2: Earl in West LA is kind of in the same boat with Jack. (laughs) There should be a therapy group. Maybe that's called the peristyle, but he says, after listening to the Colin doom and Gloom cowherd podcast. On Tunnel Vision, I was initially depressed. Today I got really excited when 6'7", 300-pound offensive tackle Casey Collier committed to USC. Then I discovered that Casey was one of seven O-line commits, all of whom are rated as three-star players. I know all three-stars are underrated, like Keaton Slovis. So, Dan, can this staff coach up these three-star offensive linemen to compete with Alabama Ohio State, etc. Also, based on everything I keep hearing, I fear that when I look across the field from my seat at Jerry's World next year, I will see Clay Helton coaching this team again. Please talk me down. Tell me that this is a bad dream and and it will not be USC's reality next year. Thanks for all you do, Earl and West LA.
3: Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I mean, I had a bad feeling the last time they played Alabama. I think, I think, I think we got there as early as I've ever been there to a game and we had the privilege of watching Alabama set up their sideline and then we saw USC set theirs up and you realize oh yeah this is like watching the Ohio State defensive linemen get yeah. ready for the Cotton Bowl uh, in the same building actually it's like they're like it's two different worlds it was two you know USC set up like a just a nice little college program doing what they do, and Alabama set up, you know, like they were getting ready for D-Day, you know, I mean, it was like there's so no comparison between what one team is doing and what the other team is doing, um, and I think, you know, the, the, talking about Colin, that the most upsetting thing that Colin said was basically USC isn't that relevant at all anymore in national college football, and I think, you know, uh, I think uh, Colin loved it getting involved with a USC program that was nationally relevant, even though he wasn't here for the the golden you know era of with Pete. But um, but to be not nationally relevant, to just not even be people talking about you, to whatever you do doesn't really matter. You're just sort of a you know a footnote. Uh, that's I think the worst part of this is just to not be in that that national discussion uh, that USC was always a part of, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're not only a part of a PAC 12 that's pretty much disrespected nationally, but you're not even a dominant part of it. You're not even, you know, one of the two, uh, you know, division champs. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad. I think is, is the word I use that when somebody like Colin says, you know, you're, you're kind of an afterthought.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hard to argue it's, um, the, how USC is relevant right now is the fact that Utah played USC and lost to them, so they're, they'll they'll be talked about in the college football playoff room, but not because just because they beat Utah. That's the only reason.
2: Yeah. We have an a email about what you had said, Ryan, on Tunnel Vision, I believe, about the trial balloon, about keeping Helton with what Bruce Feldman had reported. Uh-huh. Uh, it's from Steve in San Diego. He says, Ryan and podcast crew, God bless you all through, all through these turbulent times. I don't envy the uscfootball.com staff. I pray for you. I'm not trying to shoot the messenger, but trial balloon? Seriously? We didn't hire a real AD so we could have to do trial balloons. What a— Beep show. <laughs> is this our new leadership, we float trial balloons? Ray Charles could clearly see it is time for Helton to go. We hire new blood to make hard decisions, not float trial balloons. If this is how they operate, bone and fault cannot be trusted to get things done. Um, the fans deserve Coach Meyer, too. If Helton is fired, I have zero faith that the new Keystone Cop administration has the confidence to get a deal done with Urban Meyer. I hate being a pessimist, but welcome to Nikias Hayden Swan 2.0.
3: Steve. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, my take would be you want the deal. If that's the deal to be done, you just say, Urban, write everything down you need and then you sign it. Okay, they're in that place after 10 years of doing everything wrong in terms of being a nationally competitive program. That is what USC football has been historically since the 1920s. Um, I, I, I just think here's the deal. You just go to urban and say, you know, if, if urban, you know, wants to do it, you just say, tell us what we got to do, put it all down and we'll sign it. That's what I do.
1: Yeah. I think that's what you have to do. I mean, that, that was just a theory of mine. That's like a trial balloon where I think for me, it was even hard to believe like, wow, are they really, cause you know, people I trust were saying, Hey, this is what we're hearing. Um, that they were leaning towards bringing him back. And I was like, that has to be, that has to be something where you can't really be serious, but now we're hearing more and more people saying that. Um, And, you know, maybe it was just to kind of put that out there and see what the uh, reaction was. But if they continue down this road and they do want to, you know, if they end up wanting to keep Clay Helton or whatever, they, they don't, they don't replace them because they don't have the, the right option that they want. Yeah. I mean, I think, them getting that out there early or that being out there early, I think they could see what would happen. The reaction was very decisive. I mean, you knew what the fans were saying. You know, if you bring him back, it's not going to go over well. So at least they know that. Um, and if they still make the decision to bring him back at some point, that's then it's like, well, you, you knew what was going to happen. They, they've seen the reaction already.
3: Well, and I think there is always the possibility that they're trying to let Clay down in the softest possible way um, to not impact negatively, you know, his future, you know, employment opportunities and what have you. And if you say, well, it was really a hard call, and we really liked the way they came back, you know, five out of the last six, and eight and four, and you know, this is a this has been a really difficult time for everybody involved, and all of that, and just going to drag it out so that they can kind of you know, make it a, an easy uh, departure that might not keep Clay from getting that next job. I mean, obviously, he's already been mentioned uh, as one of the people that they would consider for the UNLV job. And, and so you, that might be a part of this a little bit anyway to try to send Clay off as, you know, as positively as they can. I don't know that. I'm again, like the trial balloon. It's just, is that what's happening? I don't know. Yeah. Do a
2: voicemail,
1: Ryan. Oh yeah, let's do a voicemail. Uh, Let's see. So, so this the next couple voicemails we have are. These are normally suggestions that you would say, "No, that's not a good idea." But fans are like willing to go. Look, I'll even like it's like sort of like a discount. Like you have to sell, you sell your wares, and you're like. I'm gonna give you fifty percent off. It's, please just 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 buy this. Like they people just want clay to be gone and they will take almost anybody to come in buy you know, and you can tell by this voicemail.
4: Hey Ryan J.
5: D. from DC. This question's for just about anybody. Uh if this uh, bonus Hamlet Act continues throughout the week, I just don't get it. He has a perfectly acceptable cost effective alternative to Hilton. Just hire Jack Del Rio at below market rates. Buy out Clancy and Baxter. They're not too expensive. They only have a year or two in their contracts. Have Johnny Nance and coach the special teams. Colbert can do tight ends. Pick up two cost-effective solid coaches on the street because their head coach was just smart. Pac-12 South is easy pickings next year. Without Moss and Huntley at Oregon, or without Moss and Huntley, Utah, Oregon loses Herbert. If it's not Urban Meyer and playoff-bound type of team, could easily end up in Pasadena January 1st. That wasn't hard, was it, Carol and Mike?
3: Uh, JD, hey, yeah. That's the exact kind of thinking USC has used over the past ten years. How's that playing out? How's that? How how good did that work out? Uh, Now, if you were, if you'd have said Jack Del Rio until the Holiday Bowl or whatever, I might say, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, but. As, as a plan, as a long-range, well-thought-out plan, yeah, I think they can be pretty good. I'll be honest. I think Ryan or – or I don't know if Keely would want the gig or me. Either one of us could maybe get them to the Rose Bowl next year. They're <laughs> going to have a big talent advantage over the rest of the Pac-12, okay? They should have been 10-2, and 11-1, even with – Losing, you know, the three running backs and, and their starting quarterback and then their backup for a game or two. Uh, so yeah, I think, but that doesn't get you where you really want to go. Okay. Just to be the best. Oh, we can win the PAC 12 this year. You know, that's just, should be a, you know, a stepping stone to where this program really needs to go. And, and so uh, no bargain basement coaches. Okay. You know, no, that, that can't even be in your thought process it just can't it, you know, it, it's usc you ought to be able to win the pac-12 with a whole lot of different people coaching you but who can get you to where historically usc and they it's still one of the goals of the program to be nationally competitive to be in the college football playoffs to be challenging for a national championship you know the pac-12 dominance is is, is a little below that and um, and you can't do it with a guy again, Ryan, who knows the fight song, and uh, you know hasn't ever been in college football. I mean, yeah, no.
1: yeah. JD, no bad idea. Sorry, but I mean, I like the first part of the idea is fine. You fire Clay Helton. the The second part, replace him with uh, no. I don't like that one. So,
2: so the argument I've heard pop up since nothing has happened is that if someone had knew the fight song, they would have had Clay Helton out of here by now because they would at least have the the USC pride to get rid of him, but. Look at what's happened when someone has. Are you has kidding kn- me? Like that's yeah. an argument that I've seen pop up. You
1: Blaming me? No. Like they they had people that knew the fight song and they made all these horrible decisions. That's why you're in this position now.
2: I'm trying to give you a platform to defend. to like go off on them. Yeah, you don't have to go off. I was just saying you can respond.
1: Yeah. No, dude. The the fight song thing is really the, what got you here. Where you had people that all they did was know the fight song. I, you know, and the, when it comes down to it, did you hire someone that knows the fight song? Fine, but not. The only reason you hire them is because they know the fight song, and because USC's done that over and over and over again. There was no—you wouldn't have hired Clay Helton if he wasn't already here. You wouldn't have hired Pat Hayden or Lynn Swan if they weren't football players. They—they they weren't qualified for the job you hired them for. The only reason you hired them is because they knew the fight song. That's all. So you can't go out. So I'm saying, don't hire anyone that knows the fight song because you've—that's been a crutch for you. So if you eliminate that, then you only hire people based on merit. So.
3: You know, I mean, I think knowing how to be an AD at the very top level is way more important than knowing the fight song. Okay. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, USC has spent more money paying athletic directors' salary the last decade than any school in America. And what do they got to show for it? <laughs> exactly. What do they got to show for it?
1: Oh, such a joke. Um, real quick before we jump in, I want to tell everyone about SeatGeek. Of course, no more uh, you know games at the Coliseum, unfortunately. But if you do want to go, maybe you want to go up north to the Pac-12 championship game. You want to check out a concert or a comedy club, anything like that. You can use SeatGeek. They've been great to us over the years. And if you want to buy tickets for anything, they have uh, millions of tickets to live events. And they use their price match guarantee. They prove that there's a better way to buy tickets online. They have the tickets you're looking for all in one place, sports, music, comedy, and more. It's an industry that kind of tends to stagnate, but SeatGeek will stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to find tickets, so now you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. And they have a better process overall because they'll pull together millions of tickets from all over the web and rate all of them on a scale of 1 to 10. And they display them on an interactive map of the venue so you can check out where your seats would be. And if it's a green dot, you know it's a good deal. If it's a red dot, it's most likely overpriced. So every purchase is fully guaranteed, and you can shop for tickets with confidence. So right now, if you sign up $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, just download the app and then use the promo code USC. So promo code USC to get $10 off. Your first SeatGeek purchase. So make sure you check it out. You need tickets for anything, you know, whatever the USC bowl game coming up is. Go go to SeatGeek, download the app, ten dollars off your first purchase with a promo code of USC. Hey, nice.
3: hey here's an here's an addendum to the SeatGeek uh, deal. Uh, if it holds the way it is now in college football playoffs, uh, Ohio State number one play whoever ends up number four would mean two and three would be LSU against Clemson. Uh, that game will be played December 28th at uh, in Glendale, Arizona. Ooh. So if you were a USC fan who wanted to go cheer for Coach O, and you could still, you could go to the uh, Holiday Bowl on the 27th and then motor over to uh, uh, to Glendale if you've got a, a SeatGeek ticket and, and watch uh, LSU and uh, and Clemson, let's say. I mean that's the way it lines up now. So uh, so that might be fun for USC people to uh, start planning on uh, if Ed comes this way, uh, you could go uh, go to Arizona and uh, root for Ed.
1: And John Robinson well, might be
3: there. Maybe uh, Marcus <laughs> Allen. Marcus <laughs> Allen will be there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no.
1: oh. lots of, lots of Trojans.
3: Oh boy, <laughs> Marcus is very happy now. He moved to Atlanta, and he got to be at the LSU game last week, and now LSU is coming to Marcus. Because they're playing in Atlanta for the uh
1: oh very uh, nice
3: SEC championship, so he's all he's so, all fired up. So We'll get more he's, pictures
1: of of a USC, you know, Heisman Trophy winner on the sidelines. For USC East, <laughs> yeah. So the fans love that. That's another thing they love. They love that stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they mm-hmm. just can't get enough of that. Yeah. Oh, we have an email, and, and he really is a big. Uh, he owes he says almost everything to Coach Robinson, and I think when he talked to the LSU team last week. He told them, he said, look, he said, it's been 40 years since he was my coach. And I still call him uh, Coach Robinson. And he said, I think that's how much your coaches can mean to you. And uh, he 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 could not believe uh, the way Coach O has has grown into, you know, a coach of the number one team in the country. Uh, He said, it's just thrilling to to watch uh, what he's doing. Uh, and how detail oriented it is and he just said it's amazing he said they had three walkthroughs for the the, uh, Texas A&M game I guess last weekend he said it's just you know just amazing how uh, how Coach O has developed uh, as a head coach and all the things he's He's able to, you know, put together. And what a shame he couldn't do that at USC. I mean, and, you know, one of those great mistakes. It's not just a, that one wasn't just a little. That wasn't a parking ticket. That was selecting Sark over over Coach O. Was I don't know what it is. It wasn't a parking ticket. <laughs>
2: I'm sure USC fans are loving the salt we're putting in the wound right now.
3: (laughs) Sorry, sorry.
2: We have an email from Eric in Duck Country who says, Ryan, Dan, and Keeley, this year's recruiting class is going to be troublesome no matter who the coach is. Do you think the coaching staff should focus their attention on keeping draft-eligible underclassmen or look to the transfer portal? Thanks as always, Eric in Duck Country.
3: Yeah, I think Eric, uh I think that's the way to go. I think you know if you're going to try to get some depth uh on both lines, I think you've got a better chance in the in the transfer portal to find you know guys that are uh you know and there there may not be that many that are really going to make a difference. And that's where you know how you come up with if you have to go that direction the next coach, you have to have somebody who every kid in the country um uh, says, "Ooh, I might like to go play for that guy, yeah. Uh, and so I think that's a big part of, of of the next step, you know, if they if they, uh, you know, are going in a different direction. So I'd look at the transfer portal hard, and then uh, and then trying to flip three, four of of the you know top twenty four California recruits that that aren't uh, you know are coming to USC right now. Uh, but I think it would be a combination of of those two things that try to you know get kids that can have instant impact, and that would be kind of a, a you know combination between uh, selective you know top ranked uh, California kids. You want to set the tone that we can go get these top kids, because right now the message is we can't get these kids, and then you go with the you know with the uh, uh, lineman. Who, and there are going to be a few that, for whatever reason, it might be just like with Drew Richmond, he wants to get his masters at USC, uh, and so that's. I think you got to do a really good job on the transfer portal, and you need somebody who really knows what he's doing uh, to make that happen.
1: Yeah, there's. I think there's a record number of players going into the portal, so I think you could do what Illinois did last year. If the recruiting class is going to stink. Um, and you do want to make a change, and it's not happening fast enough. Then you, you know, as the athletic director, you say, "Clay, don't sign everybody. We're going to keep some spots open, and then you're going to bring some guys in from the transfer portal." So then, if you make a change and it's too late to to switch some recruits, you can at least go to the portal and and get some former four and five star players and have them transfer into the program. So I, I think that could be a, a you know, this is something you could take advantage of. The early signing period is hurting. USC right now because of the crunch, the time crunch, and the worst, you know, the bad recruiting class. But you leave some spots open, then you can have an advantage on everybody. Where you know it's harder for an Alabama or LSU to bring in a bunch of transfers. But if you leave spots open, USC could do that.
3: Well, I think that the luxury USC has is I think there were just three uh, uh, departing senior scholarship starters. So now you basically you, you have that whole team. Back w- with the injured guys, you've got a, a really solid nucleus for next year. You, obviously, you need some depth uh, on the lines, uh, offensive line especially. But uh, you've got a lot of skilled players, and you you have to rec- make sure that you keep everybody that you can keep. You got to keep keep that entire nucleus together. But you see, you know, it's a luxury because last year's freshman group turns out to be way better than it was ranked and you know whether that was you know just smart decisions or 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 luck but you know so they didn't they didn't miss on this current freshman class this turns out to be I don't know that there are a lot of any any obviously freshman groups that contributed more uh, than this freshman group did for USC so they got lucky with this year they got to be smart with what happens next and they can't give all their scholarships away uh, you know say you got 12 and you give away 6 and you hold 6 back you, you, sometimes you just got to you know take your chances and and, and hold on to your cards and uh, and see what happens but um, so they may end up you know down in the 60s when uh, you know the recruiting classes all you know shake out and you just have to say you know this is the we have a better plan and we don't need to be recruiting bodies just to, you know, move us up into the fifties or whatever. Uh, That's not what's really important here. I don't think.
2: Yeah. On that same note of talented freshmen, uh, Rick from La Mirada had an email that probably needed a proofread or two. So I'm going to give a summary, but he was basically wondering (laughs) with the growth that we've, the growth that we've seen from Keenan Slovis, what do you expect going forward with the quarterback situation? Specifically, what do you think JT Daniels does?
3: I think that's so hard to guess because the timing is so uh, up in the air in terms of, you know, it would be hard to imagine he's back uh, for any kind of serious, uh, you know, practice of any sort. In uh, any, I'm sure he'd be throwing the ball. But for moving around and all that in the spring, I, 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 I just can't imagine. And I don't know, it would be difficult right now challenge Keaton Slowis no matter what but uh, if you really aren't back for spring I don't know how you get back into that uh, into that mix Uh, you know I'm one who who really really likes JT and I think they'd have been you know at the worst 10 and 2 they wouldn't have lost those, you know two fairly early games if JT stays healthy the whole time Uh, but you can't, you know, deny what what Keaton has done. I mean, it's kind of a miraculous for an eighteen year old to be able to throw the, you know, the four hundred yard passing games, you know, one one right after another. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. Obviously, you know, the receivers made made a lot of that happen, but uh, uh, you know, I, I I don't know how that's going to work out. I know somebody has sort of, you know, kiddingly said, "Well, I think what you're going to see is um, JT will end up." as a grand transfer to Washington State, where he'll lead the nation in passing for two years. And, you know, I don't know that that's a crazy, crazy thought. You would hope he, you know, he stays here. And yet, if he can't completely compete for the job, I don't know how that how that plays out then for next fall. And, and I'm not sure I see JT as a backup. Uh, I just, I don't I don't see that.
1: Yeah, I get that question a lot on the radio. And, you know, the tough part is he's not going to be able to compete in the spring and you get Keaton Slovis with another spring under his belt. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back. We still got some more questions. Uh, We're still waiting on breaking news. It hasn't happened yet. So back in a minute.
0: (coughs) This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Price
1: and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's get right back to the voicemails. Here's the next one, Dan.
5: Hey, Ryan, it's Bobby in L.A. I know logic and USC football are two direct opposites, but maybe since Mike phone was hired, the logic comes back into the equation. I was just thinking of all the trips back to Cincinnati. His only successful hire is Luke Fickle. And with due to the limited recruiting class and what Luke Fickle can bring with him, I'm not sure if I'm in love with the idea. I just know it would be an improvement over Helton. Uh, any comments?
3: Thanks. Hey, Bobby. I uh, I think one of the big questions about Luke Fickle. I think he's done a marvelous job at USC and Mike Boone. You know, I don't think that was the hardest hire when you have a, a, a beloved US. I mean, a Ohio State player an interim coach and an Ohio guy. And it wasn't a big deal to move to Cincinnati, but he's so completely uh, Luke Fickle uh, identified as an Ohio guy. I don't know that he has any connection to the West coast other than Mike bone. Maybe. Uh, I don't know how that, I don't know if he would want to make that move. I would guess that Luke Fickle's next move might be a big 10 job, but uh, you know, Cincinnati is the best program of the next, you know, in terms of everything they've got going for them, uh, in terms of the you know the group of five. But uh, uh, I I don't know that I see that as a fit. Uh, I, I see it as something that would take a, a few years to to really develop. And the problem with USC is after a you know a, a lost decade plus. I don't think they've got a few years for somebody like a Luke Fickle to come in and 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 put it all together uh, for USC. I, mean, I I think he's done a great job at Cincinnati. I mean, let's face it, he's beaten UCLA two years in a row. That's not that's better than USC has done. So uh, that's a pretty good start. But uh, I'm not I'm probably not seeing that.
2: Mm-hmm. I would just like to congrat congratulate Bobby for a, a smaller voicemail. He learned. Yeah. Heck of a
3: job, Bobby.
2: Well done. Uh, we have an email from our buddy Class Dan of 1962. He says, Hi, Ryan, Dan, and Keeley. In my estimation, the main problem with Clay Hilton is that he doesn't have the personality to engender confidence. His go-to leadership style is to play up the loyal nice guy image and then make excuses for losses. Hiring retreads like Callaway, Baxter, Pender- Pendergast who don't have a passion for recruiting as well as not being innovative coaches who can adapt to coaching needs showed his lack of leadership. Not demoting Lobandon last year showed his lack of competitive leadership. I would be in favor of hiring a fi- fiery, passionate FCS coach with a demonstrated head coaching record at his level. That is where Oregon got C- Chip Kelly. We need a head coach who demonstrates passion in all phases of coaching. Clay does not. He has a very bland personality. Yes, you can be a nice guy and passionate. Clay is is a nice guy but is not passionate a young fiery successful FCS coach who could inject enthusiasm into the program and that could that coach could hire equally passionate assistant coaches who had worked successfully successfully with him in the past you could pay these coaches less than high-priced coaches and then raise their salaries as they are successful change like this could would at least bring hope to recruits and fans your thoughts fight on dan class of 1962 p.s watch who's coaching the top teams in the fcs playoffs
3: yeah, I think the, the key ingredient for our head coach is uh, he's got to be competitive above all other things. That that's the number one thing. I mean, that's what Pete Carroll brought. Uh, that's what obviously you look around and you know you got all different kinds of personalities in Nick Saban and and um, uh, Dabo Swinney and Urban Meyer, but the one thing they share is they are just uber competitive are just competitive above all else and and that means they're pretty much willing to do all the things you have to do to compete and that that's the, the you know that's what they're there for and I know clay has said he understands this is a production based business said it a lot but I'm not sure his personality pushes him or allows him to do all the things you have to do like you know practice the way you got to practice and have the coaches around you who are going to push you and not be people that you know really you know the guy that gave you your first, your first scholarship offer in college or whatever not kind of members of your extended family that probably or your real family that probably doesn't isn't the way to go the way to go is and urban I know Urban Meyer has talked about it and he said you know sometimes you have to rein it in because sometimes those guys are so competitive, uh, but I think that's that's what you need. And then obviously to do that, you got to be passionate about it, and 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 maybe do it, you know, show that you know passion for your your competitive nature in all different sorts of ways. But uh, you know, I I don't think we've seen that. I don't think you know we've seen that kind of uh, you know competitive drive that you need to have in a in a program like this and it's really tough i mean there aren't that many great football coaches and usc needs a great football coach as if you look at the history of usc since they hired howard uh, jones in the 1920s if you're a great football coach you will win national championships at usc i mean it's the, the usc has two kinds of coaches the, the great coaches who win national championships and the other guys, USC is one of those places. You could send those guys to a lot of other schools and they're not winning national championships. And they're still just as competitive and just a coach. USC is different. If you're that guy, you can win national championships. You have to be that guy. USC has to find that guy. And that, that's where we are right now. Can you find that guy? Yeah. So we have a couple
2: comments from david from behind the orange curtain first off he says can we get the p to stop with the gomer pile references jim neighbors portrayed gomer Pyle, who voluntarily enlisted in the united states marine corps the usmc honored gomer by promoting him to corporal a non-commissioned officer can we at least show a little respect for the marine corps and drop the gomer references he also says at the risk of sounding rather schmaltzy i'm truly thankful for the parasol podcast and all the staff happy thanksgiving david from behind the orange curtain
3: Good job about uh uh jim neighbors i guess uh who uh i guess he grew up in alabama um and ended up uh in almost pac-12 country because he lived uh, uh, retired in hawaii but uh i always liked him i got to cover the uh indianapolis 500 for a number of years and he was uh, he always would would sing the back home again in indiana that became sort of a classic uh kind of a thing but uh yeah i think we should forget the Gomer stuff. I, I just, you know, uh, I, you don't need to do that, USC fans. You really don't.
1: Yeah, don't make things personal. We get, you know, I think all of us agree here that USC should, for the better of the program, move on, but you don't have to be personal with it.
2: Yeah. Dan, will you ever not have a, something related to you? <laughs> Everything. It's like seven degrees to Kevin Bacon. There's always a reference.
3: It's amazing. I, I, I find it. Shocking, almost to now, because it never happens anymore. I mean, it's just—I guess—moving around and being involved in, in so many different ways with so many different things. But yeah, I—I uh, I, I almost don't have an explanation. It's just there's a connection there somewhere. I can—I can come up with one.
2: That should be an off-season challenge. Send us your stories and maybe Dan won't have a connection to it somehow. <laughs> uh, we have an email from Guile Smiles who says, Ryan, just wanted to let you know that you and your team are the best out there by far and keep all of us Trojan football junkies happy each week with all of your content, especially the podcast. Please don't give up your reality-based takes just because a couple of bliss ninnies got butthurt by your hard-hitting <laughs> assessments of the current state of the program. You're not overly snarky, and I, for one, appreciate a bit of edge when it's appropriate, which is certainly ha- which it certainly has been uh, as of late i actually enjoyed the banter between you and keely as she tries to keep you in line uh and please keep what you're doing we love it Giles smiles
1: Giles, thank you yeah keely's always trying to like you know i have all this creativity and she's just trying to squash it all the time so no, for, you know she don't want me to tweet out gifts or anything and uh <laughs>
2: just keeping you in check, just a little bit yeah
1: the rick roll is fun. if you don't know what that is like the um, what is his name? Rick, Rick Rick Astley. Rick Astley, yeah. That never gonna give you up song. So there, people would post something where it's like, Oh my god, you have to read this and then you get Rick Rolled because it's just his, you know, never gonna give you up video, which mm-hmm. is it's a great song. Like it
2: was, his voice is pretty good.
1: Yeah, I don't know what happened yeah, he doesn't sound like what he looks like. You know? I think
2: that was part of the appeal. It's like you're Rick like, roll, Who like. is this guy? And you're like, Oh, he looks like a fourteen year old.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. kinda <laughs> funny. So uh thank you. I will I will keep up the snark. Gals That's just by you know I wanna give you I want to tell you exactly how I think. If I think they're making good decisions, I will tell you. I haven't been able to tell you that much lately. I do like Mike Bone. I think you know he's gonna. I think he's gonna do good things. I like that they brought in a professional. Right now, we're just sort of in this holding pattern, this limbo, and I, I really didn't even think we'd make it through this podcast without hearing something. But
2: we're not done we yet, Ryan. You're jinxing us. No,
1: I'm not jinxing. I mean, be, I mean, people want to know, so it's like if they happens so and we could change the uh, direction of the podcast, we can. But sure. I'm, but I don't think
3: By the way, if it, if it follows some of the things that happen with instant analysis, and Keely can and verify this, if we mention something right before we go on the air or somebody, within five seconds, that person appears out of the you know, we don't have any idea. And how many times has that happened, Kaylee? It's, it's so
2: weird. It's so unbelievably weird. Like we had, when JT got his surgery, we hadn't seen him for like a week. And we said, blah, blah, JT. And he comes back, he comes across on a cart, Frank yeah, Martin. He ran
3: over our feet. You know, it was like, boom. Or we mentioned, uh, we hadn't seen Brew McCoy. Everybody hadn't seen Brew McCoy. And he I walks would, past. You know, we're starting to set up. And there he, like, he's the first guy that just comes, like, within seconds. Here he comes. It's like, you know, and this happens with Daniel Amater Baby and Mm -hmm. uh, Matt Fink. And literally the last words you say, you look around and there's the guy that you were just talking about. It's pretty amazing how often that happens.
2: Kind of uncanny. Kind of weird. So we have an email from Bob from Newport Beach, who actually is on the other side of the spectrum. He says, it's getting difficult to listen to the podcast with every caller saying the same thing about Helton and how he's done with the US, How they're done with USC if Helton is retained. I like Clay Helton as our coach. He seems to run a clean program, prepare men for life after college. This is a university after all, and demonstrate impeccable character. Ryan said it before. SC hired a coach who had to learn on the job. It has not been perfect, but I saw change and growth this season. If he will continue to make necessary changes, I think he would be the face of a proud program and win championships. Oh, I thought you were making a snark, Ryan. No, <laughs> You're just, just sneezing, I was
1: coughing a little bit. Sorry.
2: Um, I think he. Ca- I think he can be the face of a proud program and win championships unless SC is sure it can make the quote unquote home run higher like Urban Meyer. I think it should require and expect more changes and continued improvement from Hilton in 2020. And then he signed off Bob from Newport Beach season ticket holder who will renew if Hilton is retained as coach.
3: I think that's not the wrong take. I think renewing. You know, because you're a USC guy, uh, I can see, you know, people holding, you know, holding their breath and saying, you know, if you don't, you know, I'm going to hold my breath till you hire the right guy. But uh, I think the thing that really works against Clay is he had that chance this year and he didn't do that. You know, he, they, they didn't make the changes that were kind of promised. They made some of them and they moved, you know, in the right direction. Obviously, they, they're not five and seven, and the kids kept playing. But um, in terms of being prepared at the championship level, they didn't win the championship of the Pac 12 South. So, and they had overwhelming talent advantage. And that makes you think it's not ever going to change enough. I mean, I think that's the, that's the question. If you want a, you know, an 8-4 and four program that's competing for the Pac-12 South Championship, uh, is, that, is that even going to continue the way the recruiting has dropped off? Uh, I, I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think any championship coach at, at, at the level of USC can be considered a championship coach with the recruiting for this year. You just can't. And with the staff, the way it's constituted now, you, you just can't. That's not a championship coach. I mean, I, we're not going to dispute the other things that you said, but that's not a championship coach. And that's what USC probably uh, deserves and needs. There are schools that have certain traditions, Notre Dame, you know, Alabama. Nothing else works. You know, Alabama had a streak there of, of bad coaching hires. And it was ugly. It it didn't work at all. Notre Dame's gone through the same thing, you know. Their program, Michigan, is another one that you can't win uh, to the level that the program's history and tradition says is the you know the level that it's expected to win at without that great coach. You, you just you know nothing else works.
1: Yeah, and uh, along the same lines, we got our buddy Curtis Marino Valley. Say the same thing. I did. I mean, but I agree with you. You had chances to make these changes. Why do you need to now? You you know, you made the offensive coordinator change last year. Now you're going to change out the other coach. Like, no, you had opportunities to make changes. Uh, But I'll play this from Curtis. He's he's along the same lines.
5: Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. If Clay changes his defensive coordinator and Special teams coaching gets the best if they tell, if they break the bank and say get the best play like they did with Kingsbury. And then you know they're going to win. They'll be better on defense and better on special teams and score a lot of points on offense. Then they'll win games and then we'll be back as far as recruiting. We'll be back as far as attendance. Even at, with Clay Helton and his frailties. He, You know, the discipline and all that will still be winning, will be killing people if he changes and gets the best defensive coordinator in the nation that we can afford to get and the best special teams coach and figures out about tackling. There's some of the best teams in the nation that don't tackle at practice. You know this is true. Curtis from Moreno Valley.
3: Uh Curtis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll say this. One of the teams that tackles is LSU. As Ed said, after they finished last week, he said, I think maybe we won't tackle to the ground from now on. And what is this? 14 weeks after USC stopped tackling to the ground, uh, Alabama tackles to the ground every practice they have with pads on. Tackling and blocking are big parts of football. You can't play football if you can't tackle and block. You can't tackle and block if you don't practice tackling and blocking the way you have to do it in games. You got to, you know, modify it. You got to oversee it. You got to come up with drills that allow you to make it as close to game as possible, game action, but not get people hurt. And that's why you have the really good coaches and then everybody else. But uh, I just think, you know, there's no way to say that, oh, that's a frailty. For example, the – the best defensive coordinator in the country has been considered Dave Aranda, uh, an Inland Empire guy, uh, Curtis. He's, I'm trying to think, is he a Rialto guy or from out Fontana, maybe? Uh, and he's for a while, and he still might be the highest paid assistant coach. He was at Wisconsin, and then Ed got him at LSU. And would he come and coach at a place where he's not allowed to do anything physical? For the you know after the first two weeks of fall camp, no, you can't hire those guys. Their reputation's on the line, and uh, you know they're not going to they're not going to look good if their kids can't tackle anybody. I was actually watching the Pac-12 this last uh, week or so, and they run a lot of either the most recent USC UCLA game or or kind of a classic version in the hour. You know those hour uh, you know long uh, game uh, broadcasts. And I watched, uh, you know, one of the uh, 20 years ago game, and I realized there are almost no missed tackles. When they hit somebody, they go down. And then you watch, you know, there were more missed tackles on one play in the last UCLA game than I can remember in the whole game. And um, in some of those earlier, you know, the Pete Carroll years or even before that, uh, and you just thought. Obviously, they were practicing differently, but if you don't practice like that, you can't do it. I know it's harder with all the head trauma and all that kind of stuff, but you got to figure out a way to do it. And The teams that are figuring out how to do it, including Clemson, Georgia, teams that say defense first, and we're not going to let you score in any way that's easy, uh, those are the teams that are in the playoffs. Those are the teams that are going to be playing for the national championship. If you want USC to go there, you have to... Not have a coach who basically says, I'm going to coach him the way we coached in the NFL. I'm going to, or way Lane coached in the NFL. I'm going to coach him the way we coached him when we had 53 scholarship players available. No, that's not the case anymore. You've got to figure out a way to get guys ready for games. And that's not happening. And it's not going to happen uh, with the way the philosophy is right now about how you practice.
2: I also just wonder, Curtis, what was your take on USC not doing that last year? Because that's what they could have done last year yeah. and had the success that you hi- hypothesized. Yeah. So, where do you lie on that?
1: But- I, I feel like he has a, like the point though is true. It's like if USC got better coaches, they would win games. Like yeah. that's like that's true. But why haven't you been doing that? You could have done that this year. You know. No.
2: That, yeah. That's what I'm um, saying.
1: And USC has so many advantages. It's like the other caller said, where. You know, Utah I think JD and DC were saying, you know, Utah's losing, you know, Huntley and, and Moss. Moss and uh I think Bradley and I. I mean, they're I mean Carlos leaving LaVisca too. Yeah, LaViska Chenault's leaving early, they they lose their quarterback. And uh, you know, USC was fortunate in a couple of those games to play against, you know, no court like the, the starting quarterback was also out. So I <laughs> yes, you could have done that last year, Curtis. That's that's the problem. But yeah, if US if, if Clay Heldon suddenly becomes a better coach, they will win more games, but I, I think you've given that, that that ship. I think has sailed.
2: You at least had the opportunity, and it wasn't taken fully advantage of yeah. last season. Uh, speaking of coordinators, we have an email from Jeffrey who says, "Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Thanks for all the hard work you put in, even during the holidays. Assuming Hilton stays, let's play what if with the coordinators. If Clay chooses to fire Clancy, what do you think of bringing uh, Ken Norton Jr. in as DC? With all the linebackers he has coached up at SC and in the NFL, he could be a killer recruiter. I know Ryan is in anti-Trojan family hire mode, but for a coordinator, it could make sense if his salary is close to the average NFL DC salary at uh six hundred thousand. I'm sure." we we could beat that to bring him back to LA have a great day and fight on and then Bear Secutor sent us an email which was essentially the same thing uh, but was talking about what possible defensive coordinators could USC look at
3: well I mean the problem is can you be the person you want to be if you're a defensive coordinator for a team that doesn't really hit it doesn't you know play physical it doesn't Uh, you know, approach uh, game tempo and game, you know, speed and game physicality uh, in practice. Uh, How do you how do you make your team better if uh, the the biggest part of playing defense might be tackling? And if you don't ever tackle, I'm just not sure what coordinator would do that. And they're in a situation now where at the most you'd have to demand a multi-year contract if you're that good a guy. Because you're thinking there's a good chance we'll all be gone at the end of this year. I just don't see any coach who wants to, you know, be part of that, knowing that he's not going to have the final say about practice. It's just it it's just too difficult. I, I give Graham Harrell all the credit in the world for getting through this year and getting better, and you know, it helped to not be playing the best teams the second half of the schedule, but you know, they. Probably, if it were up to people like Graham Harrell, they might practice a little a little bit differently. But he had enough autonomy uh, to be able to kind of do what he wanted to do. And he had enough talent to be able to do what he wanted to do. But I think it's harder on defense. You, it, it, you're more a part of the whole group. And you can't be doing things on defense that the offense isn't going to let you do if they say, oh, no, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, that's too... That's too chancy or iffy or uh, we might get somebody hurt. Uh, I think it'd be hard. You'd be hard pressed to, uh, uh, you know, say, okay, I'm the best guy in the country and I'll come do that. And plus, you want to talk about salaries. I think Dave Aranda was getting one point eight million basically to to come to LSU Uh, I don't know where he is now in terms of. I thought it was over
1: two million now. I thought it was. I think that's has to be,
3: yeah. And so, Curtis, you know, six hundred thousand dollars is not going to get you one of those guys. They won't even get you. You won't even get in the door. You won't get to talk to them. They will not call you back. uh, If you're talking six hundred thousand.
2: That was Jeffrey. Now something Jeffrey. we haven't discussed yet on this pod, but Ryan, I know you, me, and Cal- uh, Cowherd talked about it. Was the possibility of of Graham Harrell being uh, poached specifically by Texas? I know we've heard those rumors. Is there's a risk in bringing back Clay Hilton if you have to kind of know if you have Graham Harrell? Because if you don't have Graham Harrell, then what do you really have, Ryan?
1: Yeah, if that's the issue, is what did what saved you this year? You went from barely in the top 100 offense to a top 20 offense Yes, with a lot of the same talent as a freshman quarterback. Um, So the receivers played great, but that system that was brought in, we saw Matt Fink play. Well, we saw Keaton Slovis play. Well, we saw JT Daniels play. Well, everybody played well. Well, they were in a much more friendly system. And I think now you move off of that. If, if Graham Harrell goes to Texas or something, there's a lot of pressure to not, you got to backfill that with someone just as good. And then you also have to make other changes too. So it's, it's kind of like you're doing the same thing all over again, making mass changes on the ro- on the uh, coaching staff. And this time you actually have to make mass changes, not just shuffling the, the chairs around a little bit. So yeah, that's a, it's, it's that's a concern. Um, there's uncertainty at USC obviously, but there's also uncertainty at Texas where we don't know if Tom Herman's going to be around that much longer either uh he was seven and five this year they're you know they're trying to make some changes so I'm curious to see what happens but that's if Clay Elton comes back and he loses Graham Harrell like that's uh, I mean that's that's like the worst case scenario for
3: USC fans pretty much yeah yeah I I mean I think Graham would be hard pressed to find a better situation for himself than the talent that USC is bringing back on offense next year uh so you know but again There's a lot of uncertainty about, you know, is Graham Harrell coming back? Who's, you know, my guess is he was given a a multi-year deal to get him to come because he didn't have to come. Uh, But, uh, you know, and and is the USC situation better in Texas? Probably for next year. Uh, But, you know, will the head coach say, you know, if there is a different head coach, will he say, yeah, I kind of like what you were doing and you got all those guys back, except you know Michael Pittman, but then you get Drew McCoy and you get Kyle Ford and, uh, and Muniere McLean back and all that. So I'm not sure anybody will have more receivers that can really hurt you than USC next year. And if you got Keaton Slovis and by next fall you've got JT Daniels, then you've even got that kind of insurance that makes you almost bulletproof uh, in a lot of ways if you're going to throw the ball. Uh, so then now. You know, when you get the running backs healthy, you got an Elijah Vera Tucker who, uh, you know, looks like he might be the, you know, top-rated, uh, certainly pass blocker in the in the Pac-12. You know, I don't know if that plays, if that, you know, helps keep him or not. I mean, that's one of the reasons where the coaching, I think, is really important that, you know, you get everybody back that could come back. But, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think Graham Harrell is really a key obviously I mean they became so quarterback friendly and the quarterbacks got so comfortable with being coached the way they were being coached and then it you know the wide receivers uh, started you know all everybody started figuring that out at once that um, boy you'd hate to hate to lose all that kind of institutional memory and relationships and, and and what have you so you know that would be a that would be a problem
2: mm-hmm We have one final email, and Dan, it's about your favorite subject. It's from Dan, class of 1962, who says, Hi, Ryan, Dan, and Keeley. The Dodgers play 81 home games versus 6 for USC and 8 plus 2 preseason games for the Rams. However, the Dodger Stadium field is the best in baseball game after game. The Coliseum field is obviously torn up more from football, but that has no excuse for not using green paint and eliminating the shadow numbers and logos that can be seen on the field. Who is responsible for groundskeeping at the Coliseum? If it is a USC crew, <laughs> they need to take a horticulture class in lawn care and logo slash marker painting. Also, Dan, it will be hard to get 77,000 spectators as a sellout, being that at least 15,000 seats are pretty much in unwatchable era- areas, like the peristyle end and the either, and either side of the tower. The, re- the remodel and maintenance of the Coliseum was another Pat Hayden disaster. This physical disaster is pretty much a metaphor for the USC administration the past ten years or so. USC, USC should hire the groundskeepers who maintain Dodger Stadium. Fight on, Dan, class of nineteen sixty-two.
3: Well, okay, you're gonna you're gonna laugh at my reaction here, but uh, as the Knights stadium superintendent at Riverfront Stadium, for- <laughs> I'm, <laughs> out. Rat- I'm out. I'm <laughs> out. There's always a reference, always. Ah. Uh, Getting that paint off is really hard. I mean, and if you have an artificial turf surface, you can use harsher chemicals If you've got grass, it's very, very difficult and and one of the problems is is the stuff that you have to use to get that off uh, you don't want it getting in the players' eyes and things like that. so I almost don't think there's a way when you have the the kind of changeovers you have from the you know college game to the Rams and you change the uh, you know the hash marks and 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 you know the identifying things you know logos and what have you I I give them a pass on that I mean we're not the biggest fans of USC's ga- groundskeeping crew uh, Well
2: speak for yourself <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to start anything okay.
3: I'm not the biggest fan of USC's groundskeeping crew but they are really serious about what they're doing. And I think they've done a pretty good job as far as that being a, a good surface to play on. I think it maybe looked a little worse than it was. Uh, it's, it's considerably better now than it was a decade ago. And now that USC took over, uh, you know, the maintenance of, of the field, I think, uh, I think it's a pretty good playing surface, actually, uh, for having an NFL team on it. And they've had some big international uh, soccer games uh in the not you know just a few months ago and that so uh I, I i wouldn't get on them for that i i don't know that there's anything you can do to totally get rid of uh that that paint they try to li- use the the least uh i mean if you look at the end zones now that paint isn't as vivid as it used to be because you know washing all of that out of there is, is really a tough deal but uh uh yeah i when you look at the Coliseum now and you realize there's only 77,500 uh, seats and you realize how many are in those bad, bad end zone sections, um, you know, you know, my plan has always been once they, you know, were locked into taking away the 10,000 best seats and putting in the scholarship tower, I always felt like they should build uh, a pavilion opposite the press box, opposite the suites, that went from end line, from goal line to goal line, just the way uh, that exactly mirrors all the seats, the 10,000 seats that were taken out for the scholarship tower, and put a pavilion in on the other side uh, for those, basically those 10,000 seats. Because once you move the, the, the Coliseum playing field to the one end, away from the peristyle, the peristyle is just almost too far away to be. Uh, a way you could watch uh, you know games and really feel like you're part of it, and so what you know what you would do there is uh, you you'd make a overflow crowds you could handle them if they ever happen again and uh and you could get you know you could really i think sell those ten thousand seats uh you know a lot of them maybe to the people who were you know booted out of their their really good seats that they'd had for decades on the other side. So yeah, I think you'd like to be able to feel like they get it going again. And with somebody like Mike Bone, you have the ability to say, okay, here are some things you can do, uh, at the Coliseum. And and, and one of those I think would be putting in a standing room only, uh, pavilion, um, in, in the peristyle end where you could overflow crowd. Uh, you know, you could, you could like you do in European soccer games and like you do at the, uh, uh, AT&T Stadium and 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 how the new Rams Stadium is going to be, where they're going to have, uh, you know, ten to fifteen, maybe twenty thousand spaces for standing room, when that event, uh, you know, comes along. I'd like to see the Coliseum kind of move in that direction as well. But uh, but you're not wrong to. Second guess uh, the way things have been going at the Coliseum. Yeah.
2: All I got to say is that the USC grounds crew hasn't tried to run us over. So <laughs> they are top of the list as far as grounds <laughs> crews go.
3: And yet we have now uh, decided to do incident analysis up in the stands. So it'd be really hard for them to try to run us over now.
4: <clears throat> yeah.
3: Better
2: safe than sorry.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Like <laughs> I I think just the 77,000 like you can fit if if they were going to fill a stadium they're not counting those seats. There's seats there but those aren't counted in the 77,000 the ones that are uh obstructive view. They're not they're not selling those seats. So No,
3: I'm ju- I'm just counting the very end couple of sections on both sides where they put the visitors and they put yeah. you know the 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 people that buy the walk up tickets. And I'm saying I would guess that's about 7 or 8,000 uh and um, uh, I, I can't even imagine how people watch the game. I mean, those are the ones that are still considered not obstructed view. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if they count the obstructed view seats or not. Uh, yeah,
1: But look, if, if USC was in LSU's position and they were undefeated, they were going about to play in the Pac-12 championship game. They would have filled up all those seats. I don't care. Like that would have happened. Yeah. Oh, no there, question. There's no, that it's not, It's not a capacity problem. It's a fan problem. It's a, Fan apathy problem they are apathetic uh towards what this administration is doing, and that's why every passing minute the fans go a little bit crazier and we got through what are we uh now uh an hour and thirty five minute podcast, and no news has broken so
2: <laughs> well, we did it
1: we uh, it takes us a little while to edit this and put it up by the time you get it. maybe the news is broken by the time you listen to this, maybe it's broken. I don't know, but who knows or maybe not till tomorrow or the next day so.
3: Well, you're assuming there is the news and the news may be that there's no news and that has almost become uh, news. Yeah. No news, no decision is the news yeah. actually, but you just have to know when does that happen? Crazy. We don't know.
1: All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Um, good stuff, everybody. We got another, thanks for all the questions. We got a lot of questions yeah. out of the way. The next time we talk, we'll know more, I'm sure. Um, I don't know we, if we're going to we it. Better. Do, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Let's well, Keely, your I'm Ryan Abraham, Dan Weber. We really appreciate you listening and thanks so much. We will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's
0: is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.